Welcome to the show, Last Ones at the Bar. If you've been following the movement, you know this is a show where we exclusively talk boxing. My name is Wilton Henry. My name is Lavelle Jackson. Uh, shout out to my father, the original Mr. Jackson, and got me <laughs> watching boxing. Uh, what's up, Pops? My name is Daniel. Um, this is probably our biggest fight weekend since the pandemic, basically. So I'm excited to talk boxing today, fellas. Absolutely. I'm excited too. <laughs> Indeed. You know, before we get to talking about the uh, this weekend's events and, uh, you know, the current topics in boxing, um, how how were you fellas? Uh, how was your weekends this week? Did y'all do anything, um, you know, spectacular? I didn't do anything too crazy. I did some some yoga and some Muay Thai back to back yesterday. So that was some good. I just did some back work. So some good cardio. Um, other than that, just did some stuff around the house. I, I laid low. Uh, I'm with you, Danny. I just did some uh, gym work. Went to the gym. Uh, Friday is normally the day I lift heavyweights because it's not too many people around, you know, uh, especially in this situation that we're in. So I, I did that and, and relaxed a little bit uh, on Saturday. So, you know, I'm all energ- energized and ready to go for the work week. Oh, yeah. You, you sound like you're like you ready to go for this uh this this episode too, you know, you should be well rested and, and ready to go. Most definitely, he, he on that he on that maca too, ain't he? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> maca and, and coffee, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm ready. Yeah. All right, so. Hey, I'm on this mate, so I'm ready too. Yeah, man, I'm just sipping on a little bit of this alkaline water, so we should be uh well hydrated. What, what, you, what you got? Uh, got nine or or or, or eight? No, nah, this right here is a uh, pH. 9.5 so 9.5 okay 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 yes sir well you was a uh you was a covet jet setter this weekend right you know as far as uh you talking about the traveling back and forth to here in richmond yeah so I, yeah yeah we can only do with so much traveling right now but yeah yeah man I, I went out there um so that that trip takes about well it took about an hour and a half to get there and uh you know mm-hmm. actually what i did was i looked at our podcast and i saw one that was actually an hour and 17 minutes. So I popped that one in, and as soon as it was ending, I was right there in Richmond. So that was cool. You know, these shows, man, I think we, we, we might need to change the name to uh, Quarantine Dream because it, these are Quarantine <laughs> Dreams right here. You know? <laughs> but, yeah. But we're going to get off into the topic of this week. This week we're going to talk about uh, the current topics that's going on in boxing, and uh, we're going to start off with the boxing card that took place last night. So – the first fight we're going to discuss is Jamal Charlo versus Jason Banana Rosario. Yes, this this fight was crazy, uh, and I'm, I'm I was very and I'm I'm first say uh, it's easy to, to lump the Charlos together, but I think this is the time where they're gonna kind of deviate from the path as far as what both both of them have different paths they're gonna go from from here on out. And and it's hard to say who I was more impressed with because of who they fought and, and you know, the situation behind it. But the end of Jermel versus uh, Rosario is just, man, I mean, and he, and Jermel was catching, you know, Rosario with, with was hurting him with jabs. <laughs> and I'm not sure if I've ever seen it. It's probably, it might have been one other time where I've seen someone hurt with a jab to the stomach like that. But not quite like that to that extent where you know Rosario uh, fought a good fight actually 
aside from being, you know, knocked down and hurt and stuff like that, which which we all knew, kind of knew that he was going to get hurt in a, in there with a puncher like uh, Jermail, and he was going to have his moments. But he did land a, a lot of good shots. He, he uh, fought his heart out. But that that punch at the end, it was like something out of you ever watched them alien movies where the chest bursts or bust through your chest. <laughs> look on his face like, oh my goodness! It, it was like it, it was crazy, uh, and uh, it, it was good win by Jamel Charlo. I think he's going to have the harder road from here on out than his brother. His brother probably is going to have the more money fights from here on out. But Jamel is is now you know he's basically the ring champ. He has three of the the the, the major belts, the ones that really that matter. He has the WBA, WBC, and uh, IBF titles uh 154 is one of the most deepest divisions he's beating some of those guys also so it, i see in his horizon if he stays at 154 there's gonna be a lot of rematches that he's probably gonna take and some of them it's hard to say whether he wins all of them and also you have other guys that's gonna be on the horizon like since he's the man now he has to look at uh Arislandi Lara he has to now look at uh who who is under I believe he's trained by Ronnie Shields who is his brother's trainer but he has to look at Arislandi Lara he has to look at uh Jared Hurd now and also he still he has to look at whether a third fight with um Tony Harrison is going to happen uh it's it's a lot of uh even though a lot of guys he's probably more talented than then it's it's hard to say what he's going to run through that division like that. And everyone, while everyone's looking at him and, and I don't think it's going to be a, a easy road for, for Jamel Charlo from here on out. And I think he might have, he's in, in a position to have a, a, a bigger legacy than what Jar, uh, Jamal is going to have. Um, that's just in this, looking at this judging from this current landscape. Now this boxing, anything can happen. Stars can just pop out of nowhere. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of things can happen, but I'm just looking, judging it from the current landscape, especially as far as 154. Then you have to always think about whether someone from 147 is going to move up. And, and it, really, I don't think that's going to happen because a lot of those guys are a, a, a tad bit smaller. Uh, and, and it's hard to see who, who outside of Spence is probably going to be successful at 154, you know, in the next few years. But it's going to be interesting to, to watch. But uh, I think Jermail did a, a great job, fought his heart out. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on that? If you don't mind, if I can jump in real quick. I, I kind of got a slightly different view. Um, I was proud of, and I'm always proud of the Charlos because they, you know, really want to fight the best fighters in the world, and they got that chip on their shoulders. Um, and, you know, looking at this fight, it was the number one and number two junior middleweights in the world, and I just didn't think Banana Rosario, he's he's good. I've never seen a fight where he he's not been hurt. Like Every fight that I've seen, even in a Julian Williams fight, he was hurt um, mm-hmm. momentarily. And the other fights that I've seen, I mean, he was getting dropped and rocked. Um, so I just think that he what, what, the thing with him is he's going to – he's not technically sound. He's just going to he's, – he's a tough kid. You can see when he's getting knocked down, he wants to get right back, and he's not going to quit or anything like that. You have to stop him, in which uh, Jermail did. Um, but I just thought going into the fight, Jermail was just too mean. He got that, that Terry Norris meanness to him, and then he's a little bit too sharp for somebody like Jason Rosario because if you're just going to try to 
walk them down and you just throw eventually you're going to get caught with something and the other thing about rosario is that chin man like that chin is is really bad i mean i said it already but that's a, he has a, a horrible mm-hmm. chin and um but like i say he's a big tough kid not as skilled um for him i would like to see him like get with somebody like robert garcia and build himself back up but also work on different parts of his game because you just at that level you can't just think that you're going to walk people down and without and you facing somebody as skilled as a charlo that it's not going um end up going bad um but yeah i, I just I like Charlo, but at the same time, he it's like what Floyd say. He doesn't have any special effects, but he's always going to be a tournament. He's not going to be somebody that's going to let, let you down. He's not going to cheat the sport. And so I root for him. But I also look at the 154-pound division. I don't see this talented group there. Only person I see that can give him a challenge is Iris Landy Lara. Outside of that, I think he had beat all of those other guys. I think her at this point, I don't know how you know, well, he's going to be, how effective he's going to be at trying to make weight because he's so huge for that weight. Um, Julian Williams, I just think, I think he also is a fighter that has um, some flaws that Charlo would take advantage of. And I don't see anything, anybody else there that is going to give him trouble. So I see him moving up pretty soon, but um, great win for him. You know what I mean? I'm I'm hoping that uh, he gets him and Laura um, tangles before he decides to, you know, go to 160. So that was that's my take on it. Yeah, you guys covered most of what I was going to say. Um, at the time of the stoppage, I had it uh, 50-46 Charlo. Uh, Rosario did fight a good fight otherwise in terms of like what he's able to do with his skill set. Um, you kind of got this sense, you know, he, he was pretty much, you know, trying to walk him down like you said. But you kind of got the sense that it was only a matter of time before he gets caught. And, you know, he got caught um, pretty early on. And he got caught in those mid-rounds. And so, you know, Charlo would just sharp. And, you know, you, you fighting a sharp, skilled boxer and you don't have the chin, you know, those type of things are going to happen. Um, I, I do see, to your point, well, I do see his main challenge being, being Lara. Um, I don't know. So I, I don't know what his – I don't know if this – previous fight that just happened if that changes outlook i do know that when i listened to uh them talk on all the smoke podcasts he was saying that he wasn't he wasn't ready to move up so um i don't know if that's something that you know he's looking in the horizon for that maybe 2022 and maybe he just tries to get that that fourth belt and maybe fight laura i don't know but um i don't have much more to add other than that all right. Okay. Yeah. So the second fight um, we're going to discuss is is his brother, and so we're talking about Jamal, uh, J- Jamal uh, Hitman Charlo versus Sergey Derevchenko. Uh, now Jamal versus Derevchenko, I'm 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 a little more impressed with Jamal, not because of his performance. Well, his performance was very impressive, but in comparison to Jamal, I was more impressed with Jamal because uh, Derevchenko is is a. a we we line him up against Rosario. He's a probably a better fighter, you know. Uh, even though they're different fighters, they have different strengths and weaknesses. Darren Chico is is a more of a tough customer, and, and uh, especially when you base him from his when you look at his performances against you know Daniel Jacobs and Triple G, uh, Jamal Charlo will probably beat him more convincingly in both of those, both of them. Uh, but of course, you have to you know take in in account uh, 
how much did those fights take out Darren Chico? But uh, facts is facts. Jamal beat Darren Chico pretty, you know, uh, easier than those guys did. And Jamal, I think, is uh, probably a different role. He's still he's still looking for those belts, and I think that's where that what separates the Charlos is that Jamal is at a point where you know he's looking for the belts that the other title other titles may have. And he's and he's he has more opportunity for that big money fight, which is either Canelo or Triple G. You know, uh, I'm not sure if he's going to take a fight with Andre. You know, because Andre is very you know kind of high risk and and lower reward. But I, I think Jamal's career is going to go a little differently. And if if either one of Charlos, if if one of Charlos is going to have the the least amount of losses in their career, I think it's going to end up being Jamal, unless he decides to keep moving up to, you know, like 168 or anything uh, towards that. But um, I think his role is going to be much smoother. And when you look at Jamal, of course, you know, yeah, he's more talented than a lot of those guys at 154. Uh, And what I'm saying is it's it's hard to see him beating each one of those guys over and over again. It's like fighting – 10 fighters, 10 good fighters versus, you know, two great fighters. That's why I think Jamal is going to have the easier road from here on out. Um, even though Jamal will probably be more accomplished as far as, well, he's already more accomplished because he's the, the basically the man that went before. But again, I, I'm, uh, Jamal did a good job. Um, Shouts out to Charlos. They do train hard. You know, like, I used to like their personality at first. But, you know, the guy, you got to respect their grind. You know, they train hard. They all, one thing that I like about them and, and the fighters like them is that they, they stay in shape the entire year. They don't blow up between fights and eating trash and, and, and going out, uh, you know, doing crazy stuff to their body, you know. So um, I, th- I think that their career is going to be interesting. I think they're, this is where they're, they're going to be set. It's, it's going to be easier to separate the two. Um, so any thoughts on that? Yeah, so with the with the uh, Charlo versus Darianchenko fight, Sergey Darianchenko, it seemed like in, in Eastern European um, people, they only have uh, like few names that they choose from. <laughs> Sergey is one of them. Darianchenko, Sergey Lipinet, Sergey Kovalev. Like, I mean, is there any other name that they named babies out there? Um John Jackson. <laughs> right. So, um, but in, in this fight, I, I was impressed. Um, and especially like the first five rounds, I gave him all like the first five. And then um, the sixth round, I gave to Darian Chinko. Seven, I had even. And then some of the rounds that were close, just and just as far as just being generous, if they were close, I gave him to Darian Chinko. Charlotte could have won him, but he just had such a big lead. Um, I just I was being lenient towards uh, Darian Chinko. So being lenient and giving him all of the close rounds, which were rounds eight, eight, Darren Chico was winning a round, but he got buckled. So I don't know who the judges gave that to. And then nine, Charlo won that mm-hmm. one. Number uh, rounds ten, eleven, and twelve were very close. So being extremely generous to Darren Chinko, I, I had a one fifteen, one thirteen, but it could have been a much wider. Um, margin of victory for Charlo, but he definitely won that fight. Um, the things that I like about Charlo is the fact that he's tough. Um, you know, he has a solid chin. Um, and when he boxes and he fights at, you know, what they call, like, where, where he control distance and, he, you know, he, he wins the 
you know, the battle of, of, of real estate, then he's, he's really good. Like he, he's a top notch fighter, but sometimes he likes to exchange a little bit um, or a lot with his opponent. And he gets a little wide when he's tired and some, he gets hit a little bit too much for my liking. And I don't know if he fights somebody with a bigger punch, if that's going to, um, you know, be something that is going to end up in a loss, you know, and I really looking at him, I, I I wish Triple G would just have it in him to fight um, Charlotte. Either way it goes, but I think that the way his skill set is, I think Triple G would give Charlo a lot of problems because he's so heavy-handed. And like I said, Charlo is there to be hit. Um, what this fight told me, though, it just confirmed to me that Charlo is better than a fighter like Darian Chinko. He he's to me, it doesn't say that he's better than Andre or Golovkin or. Canelo, and I would favor those guys against Charlo, but I root for Charlo because he has what I like in fighters, and both of them, him and his brother, they're willing and they want best fighters, and they always, you know, come in shape, as I said before. So I root for him. I think, again, he's another fighter that just doesn't really have any special effects. You know, he's really solid, though. He's really good. It's just a couple flaws that he needs to work on, and he can work on those things. If he does, then he's going to be even better. So, yeah, that's pretty much my take on uh, Charlo versus Darren Chinko. Yeah, um, I I learned more about Darren Chinko. I guess confirmed more about Darren Chinko than I did Charlo. Um, I I scored the fight just like you said. Well, uh, I could have I could have been generous to Darren Chinko more. I had it one seventeen one eleven Charlo. Um, and, and shout out to Derevchenko because he's fought the best as well. I mean, he's thirteen and three right now, I believe. But I mean, those three losses were to to Charlo, um, and to Triple G, and to Danny Jacobs. So that's not like a it's not like he lost any bums. And you know, he sort of maximized his talent at middleweight in a short amount of time. You know, so it's not a slight to him, but you know, shout out to him. We he's about as good as. He, he's where he's probably going to be in the middleweight division. So for Charlo, you know, up up to this fight, um, he's had a few lackluster performances at 160. Um, he looked good in this one. And so now it's the point where it's like, okay, how are you going to look against a Canelo or, you know, or Triple G or Andre? How are you looking against these elite title holders? Um, and so his next course of action has to be unification. And so, um, you know, just like you said, I, I I would like to see him fight probably Triple G the most out of out of those guys. Well, Canelo the most probably, but um, but you know, shout out to him. He put on a good show. Um, they you know they put an opponent in his face, and and he looked very good against that opponent. So I don't know how much more to add. Absolutely, man. I, I, like I said, I just want them dudes to get it on, man. Like quit playing around. You know, um, when I look at some of these divisions and some of the fighters been in those divisions for so long and they haven't tangled with each other, it's disappointing. Um, so, but moving on yeah. to uh, question number three or topic number three, Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford and uh, Ezekiel Kill Brook are going to get it on, um, I believe, in November. Uh, what are you guys' predictions on that? Um, you know, I like Bud Crawford a lot. Um, I like Kill Brook as a fighter. Um, Kill Brook is 39 and 2. Has 27 knockouts. Made is 34 years old. Last time he fought at 147 was against Errol Spence in 2017, where he broke his orbital bone. Um, 
And then he's sort of beat subpar opposition at 154 since then. So, so all that said, you know, Brook is the older fighter um, now than he was in 2017, clearly. I have no idea who Brook is at 147 in, in the year 2020. And so, uh, you know, Crawford should win a tough one if, if Brook is who I remember. But but that said, man, honestly, like I, I'm, I'm sure you guys will probably express your kind of disappointment maybe with the matchmaking, but this was about as good as a fight I could have expected from, from Bud, you know, for, for top rank to give Bud to close out the year. And so, um, you know, the time is – so assuming that Crawford beats him, 2021 is kind of a put-up, shut-up year for – put-up or shut-up year for – for for Crawford, like you got to cross that that PBC side of the street, and you got to start fighting you with Sean Porter or Danny Garcia or ideally a Spence, because now it's like, all right, man, like who else is there to fight after this? Well, if I can jump in real quick, I think mm-hmm. I think um, well, first and foremost, this fight is unnecessary. It's not going to prove anything. Bud hasn't fought anyone at welterweight. You've been a champ for a while now, buddy. The other thing is, like you say, Brooke hasn't fought in that weight class in over three years. You know, and honestly, the Kill Brooke that I saw, I would favor him over Crawford if that was if he was ill in his prime. But you trying to Kill Brooke was already three and a half years, very, very big, muscular, welterweight. And you try to as you get older, it's more difficult to take those pounds off without losing muscle. And so I just think that chocolate brownie and that, that right hand, you know, it's going to be missing some ingredients. And so I think Crawford, he's going to either win um, by, you know, Kell Brooks not going to either come out or it's just going to be a lopsided decision. And the last thing I want to say, too, you can't justify not fighting Porter because Porter is the number one mandatory fighter fight. So come on, man. Like, right. it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys. And one point you brought up, uh, Will, that I totally agree with is that, you know, whenever there's a promotional, you know, problems between promotional companies, one trick is always counting the belts in the mandatory. because the mandatory is going to determine, you know, either you're going to fire or you're going to get stripped. And because of, uh, you know, Sean Porter is that mandatory, that's a fight that I believe that would have been good for Crawford. And, Top rank really should have just – sometimes you got to humble yourself. Top rank and Bud have to say, look, let's take a pay cut to get the fight that we want. You know, sometimes you have to do that. Um, but, but that said, uh, I'm actually happy Crawford even got a fight because it didn't like he was going to fight at all, and, and that was going to be even more disappointing. Um, I really think top rank strategy is really to wait out uh, Josh Taylor and him moving up to 147. I think they're looking at him probably as a – potential opponent but he's not a real you know welterweight but he's a big light welterweight um but but when it comes to to brooke yeah brooke hasn't really fought at welterweight in about you know three years uh and we, we saw he was already shot worn then you know he already had taken taken a, a, a some beatings um so it's hard to say how this fight plays out because we know that one of the last things is going to go is power. And Kell Brook does, you know, probably still has power. And, you know, Crawford, is, we see he, he does get hit early in the fight. And uh, 
I, I see Crawford pulling out this one and, you know, stopping Brook. But I also can see Kel Brook, at the very least, hurting Crawford early. And that's going to be interesting to see what happens when that happens. Um, but that said, um, in a fight like this where, 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 where it's, 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 it shouldn't be happening, I look at some of the, the, how they do against the opponent or how they do against uh, them in comparison to other you know, people. Just like, for example, with Crawford, I look at his performance with Amir Khan. To this day, he's probably the only one who has dominated Amir Khan from beginning to end. It hasn't been many people who've done that. Not even Canelo really did that. You know, Amir Khan was in every fight he's probably been in, even if he you know, lost. The only one that he really wasn't in was the one he got caught in the beginning, which is uh, British uh, Prescott. So um, watching this fight, it shouldn't be happening, but I'll be looking at how Terrence Crawford looks as far as, you know, how he does against Kel Brook. Uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but it's like when you're fighting a guy who's like washed up, and you, it, to me, I can't compare that performance when somebody's fighting a guy who's basically in his prime. You know what I mean? Like, you fighting damaged goods. You know what I mean? It's like, it reminds me of when Patton beat um, the one guy that Floyd had the tr- had a whole bunch of trouble with. He wasn't fighting the same guy that Floyd fought. And so, you, and when people were saying, oh, he knocked him out before Floyd did, and so he's going to beat Floyd. It didn't make sense to me because you beat a washed-up um, opponent. You know, and Floyd didn't fight a Are you talking about... Castillo. Yeah, Castillo, yeah. So I don't know, but the thing is, man, like we got the opportunity to fight somebody like Porter, and I don't even think he would have to take a pay cut because that's a big fight. People want to see him fight somebody who some stiff competition. So I don't know. We'll see how these things go, man. But the number four thing that we have here is uh, Josh Taylor. He fought yesterday, and he fought a guy named um, Apanu Kansong. The only thing I got to say about that, I mean, that fight ended so quickly. It it was one left hook to the body. <laughs> And Khan and Khan sung, sung his swan song, and so <laughs> that, that was pretty much it as far as that fight is concerned. Um, but it's gonna set up hopefully the matchup with Jose Carlos Ramirez. And um, based on what I've seen out of both fighters, I like Ramirez. I don't like him against Taylor though, because I think Taylor's left hand stance gonna give him some problems, and I think that um, that. Taylor is going to sit there and exchange with Ramirez like Hooker did. And then also, um, Ramirez, his power isn't like real one-punch type power. It's more like he beats you due to a, attrition. And I think that Taylor, he's just going to box him and only exchange on his, his own terms. And so I see that it, it's going to be a good matchup, but I think that Taylor is going to pull out a 12-round decision. Yeah, Um I was going to say the same thing you was going to say. I mean, it's not really much to say about a a second-round knockout with a clean body shot, but um, I am excited about the the potential undisputed fight, and they're both top ranked, so that should be pretty easy to make. It just might take a bit because I believe uh, Ramirez has a mandatory coming up um, or has a mandatory that he's supposed to fight, but um, I don't know if they're, they're going to give him some step-aside money or, or what, but uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, like you will, I do think Taylor would would, would get the dub there. But um, you know, I'm excited to see where that division goes with with that um, 
it seems to be nothing in the way of that unification. Yeah, I agree with both you gentlemen. Uh, the fight to see is, is Taylor versus Ramirez. Uh, I mean, Taylor did what he had to do, but he was against a, you know, overmatched opponent. Uh, but he, at least he did what he had to do. He didn't try to fight to the guy's level or play with him or anything like that. But Taylor's career is going to be interesting also. Um, he has that unification, which I favor him over Ramirez. I think he's a uh, overall better boxer than uh, Ramirez. Uh, but also I can see Taylor, you know, them throwing money at Taylor to move to 147. Of course, we look, he may be looked at as an opponent for, you know, Crawford in the next one or two years, which I can see is plausible because Taylor is a big, you know, well, big, uh, light welterweight. I mean, guy is pretty, you know, he's tall. He's taller than a lot of welterweights actually right now. Uh, and he started his career at 140. So I can see him being a 147-pounder. I just can't see him being successful at 147, aside from him trying to make a, you know, a, a big fight against him and Crawford, as far as top rank, you know, is concerned. But um, if they were smart, they'll keep him at 140 and have him rule that and try to rule that division. Um, but first, he has to get past Ramirez, which is not an easy task. Yeah, of course, we favor him over Ramirez, but that's not, you know, a set and done fight, you know. <laughs> Ramirez is, is where he's at for a reason, you know. So, uh, I look towards that, for, I look forward to that super fight, and we'll see what happens with that. Okay, so the next topic we're going to address, we got the fight coming up. I want to say it's on Halloween. It's, it's um, Alexander Usyk versus Derek Chisora. Um, yeah, so we have Usyk with his, with his second fight at uh, at heavyweight, we have Chisora, who's been in heavyweight for quite some time. He's 32 and 9, 23 knockouts, 36 years old. He's on a three fight win streak, but but none against really elite opposition. He's somewhat of a gatekeeper at, at heavyweight at this point. Um, I don't have too much to say. I, I will say that when he has stepped up to fight the elites, he, he didn't get the job done. And so um, I, I think this should be a showcase fight for Usyk. Um, to, so, you know, for us to see where he's at at heavyweight and hopefully this will lead to a fight for him against Wilder after Fury, of course, or or maybe even AJ, depending on, you know, what what Hearn has planned for him. Yeah, that, that's, that's a, a um, pretty good matchup, I think, for Usyk, you know, to – kind of acclimate himself to the heavyweight division, um, you know, especially where Chisora is in his career. Chisora might be a little used up, um, especially uh, – he has a couple victories after the brutal KO loss to um, – what's the guy's name? Um, White. White. Dillian White. Dillian White. Mm. My, yeah, my bad. Dillian White. So yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he has, has had a couple um, wins after that. But I think Usyk's speed – is going to uh, give Chisora some trouble, similarly to how um, Hay did him back in 2012 when they fought. Um, you know, the thing is, Chisora, he's known for being nasty, and especially before a fight. I, I remember seeing him spit on somebody, you know, th threaten to kill somebody before a fight. You know, kind of like that nastiness that Duran used to have, a disdain for his opponent like Duran used to have um, back in the day. But what I looked at, what I was disappointed in, and I already think that this is going to play a role in the fight psychologically, is they just had a press conference about a week ago. And so Usyk, he had a camera 
And so, like, right when the press conference was over, he was taking a picture, right? And so when he was taking a picture, he asked Chisora to get in a picture with him. So I want to see how Chisora is going to respond, you know, how nasty he is to his opponent beforehand. And lo and behold, he went over there and gladly stepped into the picture with him. <laughs> I said, man, if you don't get your butt up out of here, man, with that nonsense. So to me, psychologically, he's at his best when he really – is, you know, don't like his opponent, and he's talking crazy to his opponent. And I just don't think psychologically Usyk might have something on him or something. Um, and, you know, he, he seemed like he just wanted to be, like, cordial and friendly with him. And I don't like that going into this fight. So I'm going to say Usyk uh, should win a decision or possibly a knockout. Um, and, again, with Usyk, I look at his highlights and I look at some of the fights he's, he's fought, and I see a lot of wide punches. I see not too much head movement. But he rarely gets hit. <laughs> I don't see anybody, like, taking advantage of it. So it must be something that he's doing that yeah. the opponents can't take advantage of it. So, again, he must just be a lot better than what I see because the two biggest attributes that I see from him is, like, stamina. Like, he, he, he I never see him get tired. And then kind of, like, he's, his energy level or, or vitality or whatever you want to call it is just, like, he keeps coming and he gets stronger and stronger as the fight goes on. So those are things that I see, but as far as skill, I don't see it, but evidently it's there because he's winning all of these fights. So in that um, case, I think that Usyk is going to beat Chisora when they fight in November or I think, my bad, on in, um, on Halloween. Y'all basically said it. Uh, Usyk, um, man, it's hard, it's hard to say because he is moving up. You know, he's had a couple fights at heavyweight. Um, and then we have to look at Tesor, uh, where he's at in his career. Uh, he had a lot of, you know, he's been through some wars, but he doesn't really have seemed to, you know, slow down drastically. But, we, but still, he's he's 36, which is, you know, he's getting up there. It's not too old for a heavyweight because, you know. Um, but Ozik, Ozik um, one thing I do look at, you know, he – he he does have activity level as a boxer, and that's gonna. And I think that's why he'll be successful. He was a huge uh, cruiserweight. He's moving up. He's not fighting someone who's uh, uh, Anthony Joshua or Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury big. Um, I think he'll be. I think Usyk will be able to, to to use some of that his boxing skills and and slight movements to to Dieter to Sora, and I think just. I'm not sure if Chisora has it right now is going to have the activity to, to keep up with uh, Usyk. Um, I'm not sure if I see Usyk stopping him. Uh, it can happen, but I think he's going to win a decision um, because he's going to he's probably going to move more, and we're going to see more. I believe we're going to see more boxing ability from Usyk because Usyk now because he's a smaller guy in the division, he'll have to use more of it of the the quickness of a cruiserweight to get away from you know the heavy punches of a, a heavyweight. And I can see Usyk using those, those skill sets to uh, keep Chisora away and, and, and frustrate him. So I, th- I think Usyk is going to win the decision in this fight. Okay. And so the next um, topic is going to be a potential fight. I thought they signed to fight each other, but they haven't got no signatures on the dotted line. And that's Ryan Garcia if he faces Luke Campbell. That's something that's in the, up in the air in terms of whether or not they're going to fight. Um, with this one, oh, man, I, this 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 will be a very interesting uh, matchup. Um, you got Ryan Campbell, who 
you know, he looks like he could be the goods. He, he's a um, potential face of boxing. You know, he has all of the attributes to be a superstar. You got Luke Campbell, um, 20 and three with 16 KOs. He's seasoned. He's uh, heavy handed. Um, gave, I say, Vasil Lomachenko um, some problems, you know, in their matchup. Um, the thing when I look at Ryan Garcia, he's 20 and 0 with 17 knockouts. What I like about him is the young man has really superb timing. He's a great counter puncher, but he's not fighting the best opposition. But one fight that I looked at that I was impressed with was the Francisco uh, Fonseca fight that when he knocked him out in the first round, he countered him and put him out. And that's the same fighter that went, well, Tevin, Car- Tevin Farmer is not a puncher, but he lost the. Um, championship bout against Tevin Farmer, and he also took Tank Davis eight rounds. And so that really impressed me that he was able to get him out of there. And that was supposed to be his, um, you know, test right there. And he passed with flying colors. Now, the only thing that I would be concerned with in this fight is Ryan Garcia. I don't know what he's going to do if the fight gets tough in the later rounds. Is he going to have something in the tank if it gets you know, tough during those times. He hasn't had a fight that, you know, can prepare him for the, that moment. Um, sometimes you just have fighters who are that good and end up passing the test anyway. And he might be just that fighter. I don't know. That's the tricky part about this fight is whether or not I think he'll be beating Luke Campbell. But I don't know if he has a chance. I, I don't. Some of those things you just haven't been able to see based on the caliber of fighters that he's been fighting. So this is an intriguing matchup. I'm going to say that it, I would go with Ryan Garcia only because I think that he is a star. And this is either going to tell us if he is, you know, that star or it could be the Erickson Lubin type thing where he's biting off a little bit more than he can chew, you know, too early or Fernando Vargas. So to me, it's either going to be he's going to be like a Fernando Vargas or he's going to be like Oscar. Dan. And so I would uh, favor him, though, by decision. Um, yeah, I I would also favor him by decision. So before before they named this fight, they he was supposed to fight Linares, which I was I was afraid for Gar for Garcia in that fight. I'm not gonna lie, because Linares is dangerous. But I feel better about him fighting if this is his first real step up, uh, which it is, um, I feel better about him him winning this one. Um he is untested in a lot of ways, and so this is gonna answer a lot of questions. About him, I think. Um, you know, Campbell is 23, 16 knockouts. He lo- he last lost to Lomachenko last year. Um, he lost to Linares in 2017. He doesn't have any real wins against any elites in that division. So if Gasar- if sorry, so if Garcia is elite, um, I think he'll get that that uh, decision victory in his first real test. Yeah, I agree with you both. I think um, this is a this is that fight that's going to get that's moving Garcia up a level. And um, other than Teofimo Lopez, I think uh, right already Garcia will have a better resume than you know some of the upcoming guys that's at you know lightweight like uh, Devin Haney and um, even Tank Davis. Uh, I think. Luke Campbell, even though I, I, I would favor Tank Davis over him, I think Luke Campbell is a better name on uh, Ryan Garcia's resume than what I've seen from uh, 
other than uh, than Santa Cruz, who who I picked Tank to beat, other than Santa Cruz, which hasn't happened yet, this would probably be the best name on Ryan Garcia uh, on Garcia's resume in comparison to Tank Davis. Uh, so uh, Garcia is a good fight for him. Uh, I do see what you guys saying as far as the the possible chin issues. It's funny because. Uh, I don't know where, where it came from or, or uh, it's nothing that I physically see in him that shows me that. But it's interesting because we talked about this. Uh, I, I remember a few years ago at work uh, when Garcia was just getting a little bit uh, of steam going as far as social media. Someone could brought up, you know, I don't know how he's going to react when he takes a punch. And they made a comparison between him and Amir Khan. And, of course, I don't think Garcia has that type of a chin that Amir Khan has, you know, that weak of a chin. But not since someone brought that comparison up, I can't unsee it now. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know what's going to happen with Ryan Garcia's career. But uh, I totally see his see him being another De La Hoya if he's, if he's the goods, you know. But we'll see. I mean, Lightweight is going to be one of those divisions that's going to be a, a firecracker of a division, you know. And eventually those guys are going to have to see each other, you know. <laughs> it's going to be very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, Either you fight at 135 or fight those guys, or you move up to 140, and then you have guys like Ramirez and Taylor. So it's like 130 to 140 is going to be a, a, a interesting go in the next, you know, five years. You know, so uh, that's one of the divisions I'm, I'm probably more excited of, other than 154, of course. I'm I'm very excited about uh, the lightweight division, but I do have Ryan Garcia winning this fight against uh, Luke Campbell. Uh, I think he should use his movement, frustrate, use his movements and, and speed to frustrate uh, Campbell. Um, but we never know. Campbell is, is a tough guy. You know, he, he's a tough competitor, and it's a step up. And there's a props to Ryan Garcia, a tough, uh, a young guy that's stepping up to the plate. And this is what we need to see more of, guys stepping up to the plate, even if it's a level up. I mean, this is probably not the level that we want him to step up to, at, but it's a step up than what he's been, you know, been doing with him in his last fight and the right fights before that he's getting he's moving himself in a position to be a champion um so uh we'll see what happens with that fight yeah whoever the one of those young guys um really has the potential and they have the opportunity to be like the real star in boxing you know like tank haney lopez garcia whoever comes out of there if, if those guys tangle and whoever comes out of there with you know maybe three and one or four and oh then you got your next star right there and they're gonna and and they're gonna be good for a long time the thing i like about garcia is that he has the propensity to move up in weight because of his um frame you know it seemed like he can probably go up to about 147 or something like that comfortably Mm -hmm. all right so that moves on us to the next topic um gennady golovkin has a potential opponent. I'm not going to butcher the opponent's name. I've never seen that name before ever in life. Uh, so I'll turn this over to one of you guys to discuss Golovkin's next opponent. Okay. So, uh, see, so yeah, he's supposed to fight. I- I'll give it a try. I think I have Camille Zeramata. I, I-, I don't, uh, they might have done it. I don't know. Uh, at any rate, he's 21 to know, five knockouts. Uh, he was a mandatory for, for Golovkin's IBF belt. He was ranked sixth by the ring, uh, third by IBO, eighth by WBO. And, fellas, all right, so 
You know, you know that I, I love me some Gennady Gennadyovich Golovkin, right? Um, I have a special place in my heart from from that fight that I saw him at in the Garden, right? And I'm confused because, sure, he's a mandatory, but how often do those really happen with the elites, right? And look, we've been critics of both. We we've all been critics of both Triple G for his fight selection um, as of late. And and the zone for you know their their business model or or lack thereof, uh, Triple Z is Triple G is signed to the zone. And help me understand. Well, don't help me understand, but just was was Andre busy? I, I don't I don't get it. So like, would the zone not pay the step aside money to to get him a real flight? How how are they cool with this? If they just if they're at an impasse with Canelo. And they're letting Triple G fight somebody with knock with five knockouts that we never heard of. I don't understand how either party is cool with this. The only winner is the challenger who is not gonna win. Like, what are we even doing this for? Is is somebody that's not subscribed to the zone gonna see this fight and say, Oh yeah, let me subscribe to the zone so I can watch Triple G fight whoever I can't pronounce. You know what I mean? Like I'm just confused by this fight. Triple G's not getting any younger. I don't, I, I don't like the direction his career is going since since he's fought Canelo. I'll just leave it at that. I don't even have to say like I've, I feel like I've already said in so many words who I think is going to win this fight. So um, yeah, I, I was, I was that's all I got right stalling. now. I think what they're trying to do is give him a fight. I don't know what where the guy is from. I didn't really research him. I saw a couple highlights, and this to me is like the worst fighter that he's fought in over like ten years. But I think what they're doing is they're stalling, trying to give him a light touch and wait for Canelo, and that's the fight that they want to. Um, you know, boost up the sales and, you know, sell that fight to the audience or to the people so that they can recoup some of their money. And they think that that's the biggest fight that they can make, make out of the fighters that they have. And so I think that that's the direction that they're going. But again, I, this guy is no power, you know, very few skills. And Triple G ruined his career, man. I think, again, he, he planned it too safe, you know. And, and the last thing I'm going to say is this. It was two things. One, dude, just fight Charlo, man. Like I would like for you, I think that that's a better matchup. If you had to go between um, Andre and Charlo, Charlo is there for you to hit, and you're a big puncher. So just go ahead, take that fight, and you know let the chips fall mm-hmm. where they may. And like I said, I would favor him. Only thing Triple G is, it's it's getting worse for him in terms of whether or not he's going to win because you're getting older, and so therefore you might. Lose a little stamina, you might, uh, you know, some of your skills might erode a little bit just based on the fact that you're getting older. And then the other thing is, you're not going to be fine tuned when you fight these upper echelon opponents because you fight these weak opponents, these other weak opponents, and that's not going to prepare you for a high level matchup like that. So he's ruining his career in, in my eyes. And the last thing I'm gonna say, man, I'm not calling this dude Triple G no more, I'm calling you Gennady Golovkin because Triple G sounds too gangster. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're not doing gangster stuff. So that's all I'm say. Okay. Uh, I kind of, I kind of agree with both of you guys. I think this is a, a very light touch and a disappointing fight for Triple G. But I do understand why they're doing it, trying to wait, wait him out. It's a couple things about it. I, th- I think that uh, Triple G is now on the other side of his career. He's 38 years old, so I think they're looking to cash him out. He's probably looking to cash out against, you know, a Canelo and go off to the sunset, you know, and that's it. And um, they're not. They're probably not going to put him into in there with anyone that's going to 
you know, pretty much uh, theater that I think his career is pretty much kind of over. Of course, I would, I definitely would want to see him against uh, Jamal Charlo. I think that's a good fight. Um, but not since Charlo, Charlo does have the belt, uh, you know, he has a, he has a championship. It's, it's it's hard to not fight him now. Andre, I think they're gonna they're gonna box Andre out. I don't think anyone wants to fight Andre because he's too high risk. I don't. I can't. The only one I can foresee fighting Andre is actually Canelo, which is funny. I don't. I don't see Charlo, you know, or Triple G, or even Daniel Jacobs going against Andre. I don't. I just can't see it. Uh, but but yeah, Triple G. One thing I do dis- kind of disagree with is the light touches because we just saw Derek Chico yesterday. You can't. It's hard to give Charlo credit for being Darren Chico, but then take credit away from Triple G for fighting Darren Chico, you know, because, you know, it's even before that, Darren Chico, he, he, he had that tough fight with, with Daniel Jacobs, who, which was a close fight also that uh, Sergey Darren Chico could have, you know, you could have had him winning. So I can't say that Darren Chico is, is, is a light touch opponent. Yes, I agree. Steve Rose was that fight shouldn't have happened, but I do think they're trying to cash. Triple G is looking to cash him out, and I think they know something that we probably don't know, and I think it has a lot to do with Abel Sanchez. I think Triple G without Abel Sanchez is not going to work, and I, I, and I think his career is pretty much over, and he's going to cash out against Canelo, and I think Canelo is going to stop him in that fight. That's my prediction with that. Now, as, as, uh, you know, as far as uh, Darren Chico and Triple G, I, didn't, I, never, think, I never thought that uh, Darren Chico was a light touch for Triple G. I thought that out of the top level opponents in middleweight, that was your safest option was to fight somebody like Darren Chinko, as opposed to Andrade, as opposed to Charlo. Um, like that's that's all I was saying. But that's it. And I but I can't even say that that was a victory because it was such a close fight. I thought that it could have went either way. You know. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. But I, I don't. I didn't never consider Darren Chico a light touch. Okay. Um, yeah, but I think Andre. I think no one's gonna fight. I, I think Andre. Right now is in a worse position than Terrence Crawford is. <laughs> but he did it to himself, man. Like Andre, yeah. he doesn't really um like fights. It's based on like I think the fight that he was supposed to have um uh, with the guy out of uh England that didn't go through and like that messed him up because he would have had a really good name on his resume. But if you look at his resume, he doesn't have anything on there that's going to demand that you fight or demand that those other guys fight him, you know, because he just keeps fighting those. those. I mean, come on, man. Um, so, but yeah, the, the last topic that we're going to talk about um, is going to be Gerald Big Baby Miller, um, his excuse for his failed drug test. Um, anybody want to chime in on that? Let me take a breath. Because this guy, Gerald Miller, oh, my goodness. I mean, it's one thing to be suspicious. And uh, we've all seen fighters who are suspicious or fighters who might fail a drug test. This guy has been failing drug tests like here and there, like here and there. And it's like, come on, man. I never – he basically threw his whole – I never seen someone who was undefeated throw their career down the drain. Except probably Ike Iobichi, but that's a whole nother story because his is more criminal related. But I never see someone trying to further their career and throw it down the train with, with, with all these 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 tests that he's failing. And he's, and it's, it's interesting because he doesn't fail like a, 
a test for one drug. It's like two or three drugs, and he keeps on doing it. And it's like, and then he blames it on, you know, he's taking a, a sexual performance drug. I mean, you're a professional fighter, man. You have professional people around you. They should be watching what you put in your body, especially if you've been caught once. If you've been caught just once, you should have you spend the best money to have people monitor everything that you put inside your body. And these guys have to be responsible for what they put inside their body. And I don't even buy the sexual performance drug for all that. You know, we've seen what Joe Miller can do. We've seen how, what stamina he has and all that. And, and we've actually seen the drugs that have been in the system. I mean, it's, no, it's nothing more that we say he should just be banned. You know, I don't know if he should be banned for a few years or for life, but he should be banned for, he should he should be punished. I mean, he should be banned for a few years until, until he clean, clean up his act. And it's, it's basically, he just threw his career down the drain. His career is pretty much kind of over at this point, unless he unless they win an appeal to get him back. But even then, I mean, he he's like Chavez Jr. to me right now. He's like Chavez Jr. And that's it's not much more I can say about him. Yeah, so and sort of to piggyback on that, I kind of like looked up kind of the rundown of his last two two suspensions. And so as you said, the last one was um the sexual performance pill. Um he says that he had documents from a scientific lab to support this claim that the substance was in that pill. Um so take that for what it's worth. Um, the band before that, I believe this was when he was about to fight Joshua. He claimed that those positive tests came for, for EPO and HGH were a direct result of a stem cell shot that he had for his shoulder. Now, I'm not a person to say I do or don't believe him. He could very well be correct. But at the end of the day, like you said, Val, it's his career. He's responsible for what goes into his body ultimately. And as a professional, if I'm a governing body, that's responsible for the safety of fighters where you put your life on the line. I can't, I can't say that this fighter is being responsible with his body. Um, it, it's hard to not see it as reckless to, to, to put things like that in your body, like the stem shell, like, okay, but you know, you just have to know what you're putting in your body. If you're using your body to make money to support your family. So, you know, at this point, it's just kind of a thing where the chip's going to fall yeah, as he makes. There's no excuse either way. I mean, even if it's legit, you still are responsible, um, Big Baby Miller. And, like, the excuse of a sex pill, that's the reason why. Come on, dude. You're 32 years old, man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. I was looking at that, too. <laughs> yeah, and that's the excuse, you know. But saying that, using that as excuse that I, I – um, I'm using the sex pill, and that's the reason why I failed my drug test. It just confirms already what I always knew he was, which is a stiff, you know. So, um, a professional athlete, um, and you know, like you say, you just have to know what you're putting in your body. And the other thing as well is that you're missing out on some huge paydays five million dollars because you want to take a sex pill like that just doesn't cut it, man. Like. You have to sacrifice, and then you're just showing the fact that you don't have that dedication. You don't have what it takes to be a champion. And so regardless, you deserve whatever punishment that they give you. Part of me is thinking about people like Bevecan, who they always keep giving chances to. But at the same time, I wish that they would punish all of these guys severely um, because, like you said, when you punch somebody in the head and then you decide to take a 
performance enhancing um, product, I mean, you can kill somebody. So if they decide to ban them, then that's good. And hopefully they do that to anybody who uh, commits these acts. And so that's my take on the Gerald Big Baby Miller excuse. The last thing I was going to wrap up with is how we're doing so far as far as our prediction. So far, we've had seven fights. So we predicted the Dillian White versus um, Alexander Povetkin. Povetkin won that, so I don't think anybody got that right. So that's one yeah. loss. Um, Victor Posta, I think we got that. We were very accurate with that prediction. 12-round decision for uh, Jose Carlos Ramirez. Then you got the Jamal Charlo versus Sergey Devinchenko. I think everybody said a decision. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure I said a decision because that man got a chance, Devinchenko. But yeah, he it was more likely, you know, be a decision, and that Charlo would beat him. Devinchenko didn't have a style to beat Charlo. Yeah, and I think like with the Jermail Charlo, I think we we kind of was was very accurate on that. Oh yeah, we were spot on. We were spot on with that. It was easy to see uh, Rosario. Uh, I mean, tough kid, but doesn't have what's needed to beat a Charlo. And you have to have a strong chin. And without a chin, you have nothing, really. Mm-hmm. And then we got the Erickson Lubin, Terrell Goucher fight, correct? Um, the the David Benavides fight, I thought, I was thinking yep. it was going to be like under four rounds. But when he missed weight, um, that kind of like, you know, was a head scratcher, you know, based on his background of doing stuff like that in the past, but he got a 10th round KO, so we were all accurate on that. And then the other one that was, uh, we got incorrect was the Eladar Alvarez versus Joe Smith fight. Right. (laughs) So right now, right now we're sitting at 5-2, and um, so that's 71% accuracy, so that's not too bad. Yeah, yeah, so far, and um, and I'll then we just it. got the upcoming fights. We got the Davis versus Santa Cruz. We got the Spence versus Garcia. That's going to separate our, you know, predictions, our cards, mm-hmm. because I think you guys got Spence. I don't, I don't. I still don't know what you who you have, uh, Vail, because you just said it was close. I didn't catch. Uh, it's that's it's hard to make a prediction on because we don't know where Spence is uh, physically. Uh, I can't see. I can see either one winning. I can see uh, Danny Garcia winning. It's funny because. At their best, Danny Garcia, I don't think, has the style to beat Errol Spence. But because of the accident, he has he has that chance. He has that left hook. He has many twos that's going to really help him anyway. And, you know, he has that left hook. But uh, – You're tippy-toeing, bro. <laughs> we got to get a prediction. Like, ask, ask me next week. Ask me next week. <laughs> a draw? Okay. You know, so. it, it, yeah, um, a draw. A draw. <laughs> this fight is, is draw. Okay, okay. So, yeah, then we got the Chisor um, Usyk fight that we just predicted. I think everybody has uh, Povetkin and the rematch. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. And then Crawford Brook, we just made pretty much yep. predictions on All that. Right. And then if they clash, the Garcia Campbell fight. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. Now, you guys got anything else that you want to discuss? That's all, That's all I got. That's all I got. I feel good. All right. Well, we're going to leave it at that. Have a good Monday. Peace. Peace.